0: that the Lord started preparing me for this before I knew there was this he was preparing me for. And, I mean, I've been saved for 50 years now. I, it'll be 50 years probably this spring because I was about 13 years old and I was 63 this past summer. And um, in all those years, one way or another, I've always been saying, Lord, fix me or change me or make me what you want me to be or show me how to be the woman of God. I know you want me to be whether I feel like I am or not. And so that's been a constant cry of my heart to God. And um, but I know that everything begins with what happened 50 years ago. And that is asking the Lord Jesus Christ to come into my heart and my life and receiving him as my personal Lord and Savior. And I'm so thankful that he makes that easy. He makes being in relationship with him easy. So a few weeks ago, in response to this constant, here I am, Lord, orders. I'm waiting for orders. Um, I was driving to work in the morning, which is often when I have some really good prayer time because I'm all by myself, and that's a good time to do that. Um, but I was driving to work, and and an Old Testament verse. Just came into my head and it was, um, that obedience is better than sacrifice. And I couldn't have told you in that moment where it came from since I've done a little homework. So we're going to look at that a little bit more in just a little bit. But, um, I just sensed obedience is better than sacrifice. And then the next thing that the next thought that came into my mind was that Jesus learned obedience. Through what he suffered. And, and then it hit me, he learned obedience. For years and years, that just, that seemed invisible on the page to me because I remember at one point looking at that and going, wait a minute, he had to learn this. He, it didn't come with the package when he was born as a baby. Here's everything you need to know forever and always. No, he walked in flesh like we do. He set aside his weight and glory and came to the earth to live like us. And we'll talk more about why that's so special in just a minute. Um, because I'm so excited the way I told my husband today, I've never had the Lord just lead me one thought or one step at a time, right up to this morning when the Lord kind of wrapped it up in a bow for me. So we'll talk about that. But, I realized that him his learning obedience was not automatic he needed to go through some stuff because it said he learned obedience through what he suffered and so um, the process couldn't have been easy because it involved suffering and his lessons came out of that suffering but my very next thought was and i think i even said it out loud in the car if jesus had to learn obedience and so do I. If Jesus to learn it, then I really need to learn it, right? So that's where we start. So let's look at 1 Samuel 15 22. That was the first scripture that came to me that day. And in this verse it says So Samuel said, uh, he, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, To obey is better than sacrifice. The sacrifices were everything. Maria, I'm about to be on the move because I forgot my water. Sacrifices were everything um, in the Old Testament and during um, not only before the church, but in the early days of the church when sacrifices were still being offered. That was the way people were able to Make their connection with God because that was the only way that they could be forgiven of sins. In the New Testament, now we're moving on to this other, but in 1 Samuel 15, he's, Samuel is saying, the Holy Spirit through Samuel is saying that obedience is better even than that. Just obey God. So in the New Testament, we read, we read in Hebrews uh, chapter 5 verse 8, Though he, and we're talking about Jesus, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And again, that thought, if Jesus had to learn obedience, then I need to learn obedience. But I want to look at Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 1. I want to back up a little bit because there's so much packed into the first nine verses that are important to see. And it begins in Hebrews verse five, or excuse me, chapter five, verse one. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in things relating to God, to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He, speaking of the priest, is able to exercise gentleness and forbearance. I didn't, did I say that? Yeah, it's an amplified classic. He is able to exercise gentleness and forbearance toward the ignorant and erring since he himself also is liable to moral weakness and physical infirmity. He is still a man, the priest, um, and the high priest who was chosen from among men. And because of this, he is obliged to offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as for those of the people. Besides, one does not appropriate for himself the honor of being high priest, but he is called by God and receives it of him, just as Aaron did. So I want you to keep Aaron in your mind here. So too Christ the Messiah did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed and exalted by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest appointed forever after the order with a rank of Melchizedek. And I want you to remember Melchizedek too, because we're going to come back to both of those priests. Verse seven goes deep into my soul, and I want, I, I hope it does for you too, because it talks about Jesus. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up definite special petitions For that, not for that which he not only wanted but needed and supplications. Now listen to this with strong crying and tears to him who was able to save him out from death. And he was heard because of his reverence toward God, his godly fear, his piety in that he shrank from the horrors of separation from the bright presence of the Father. Have you ever been there? When life is coming against you hard and you're praying and you're praying out of the depth of your heart and sometimes the, the discouragement or or the pain is so real and so strong that you're just crying, physically crying to God. and And with tears saying, Lord, I know you see me and I know that you will help me. And i'm putting my trust in you but oh when it's coming against us it can feel so strong that all we can do is cry and surrender ourselves to trust him but jesus was doing the very same thing and that's what spoke to me he's been where i have been we'll talk about that more in a minute too And verse 8 goes on although he was a son He learned active, special Mm. obedience through what he suffered and his completed experience making him perfectly equipped. He became the author and source of eternal salvation to all those who give heed and obey him. Praise God. Now, I said we'd come back and visit Aaron and Melchizedek. And I learned some really cool and interesting things about these two uh, priests from the Old Testament. So they're they're very different, and I am no Bible scholar. I will flat out I am no Bible scholar, but I can read. So I've been learning some things as I've been studying this. The first high priest Melchizedek was both uh, king of Salem, which we which I read in a source uh, is scholars believe that that refers to Jerusalem, and he was priest of El Elyon. El Elyon means Most High God. So he was king of Salem or Jerusalem and priest of the Most High God. We know that he was revered and honored by Abraham because Abraham uh, um, paid a tithe to Melchizedek. One source I looked at um, stated that, and I'm going to read a little bit here, that the author of the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament translated the name Melchizedek as King of Righteousness. And Salem as peace. So he could be called king of righteousness or king of peace. So that Melchizedek is made to foreshadow Jesus. Stated to be, and Jesus is the true king of righteousness and peace, as it says in Hebrews 7.2. And I'm still reading now. According to the analogy, just as Abraham, the ancestor of the Levites, we know the Levites were the priests, the Levitical priesthood, because Abraham was an ancestor of the Levites, but he paid a tithe to Melchizedek that made Abraham inferior to Melchizedek, the priesthood of Melchizedek. Um, So the Melchizedek-like priesthood of Christ, of Jesus, is superior to that of the Levites. The Levites are the priests on earth, chosen by from among men. But Melchizedek, and later Jesus, is the high priest chosen by God for all time. And in Psalm 110.4, I didn't add this one, so no worries about that. David wrote about the victory and glory of the Messiah. He said, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So the Old Testament king and priest walked in the first eternal priesthood. We don't have any record of a birth date or or a death date. And Jesus, by his life, death, and resurrection, became the final and better eternal priesthood. Amen. Okay, let's talk about Aaron now. This was so cool when I heard this. So Aaron was the brother of Moses, and a scholar asked, or a scholar was asked why Aaron was chosen by God to be the priest and not Moses. And it was suggested that it was because Moses knew God. Aaron knew the people. What does the priest do? The priest goes to God on behalf of the people. The priest needs to understand the heart, the life, the longings, the failings of the people in order to go to God to pray for them, to pray on their behalf, right? Jesus not only knows God intimately, but he knows us intimately. Hebrews 4.15 says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. That's another verse that I don't know if we've really given a lot of thought to. Because I, I'm the only one who knows all the points in my life that I have been tempted in. Only you each know the areas of your lives where your temptations have been but scripture says and scripture is true scripture says that where are we for he um who he can for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin he knows where we live he knows what we feel. He knows what we face. So he is our precious and perfect high priest because he not only knows God, but he knows us. I love that. Okay, and this morning. I use a, a, a Bible reading plan that allows me to Like, for instance, this year I'm in the Old Testament. And so it's a chapter a day. I'm reading through the Old Testament this year. Before the end of the year, we'll get uh, a little bit of New Testament in. And then next year we'll go to the New Testament and read the entire New Testament in a year. Well, recently I just got into Deuteronomy. Today's chapter was Deuteronomy 10. And in it, I was reading about Moses giving instructions to the children of Israel, reviewing the law with them before he was going to die. And they finally entered the promised land without him. And I'm reading along, and I come to verse 12 in chapter 10, and I read these words. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways? And to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes with which I command you today for your good. And then skip to verse 16. Therefore, and this should remind you of the New Testament passage as well, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff necked no longer for the Lord your God is is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty, awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bride. Well, Romans two twenty-eight 28 and 29 in the new King James version says, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who, Or a chosen one who is inwardly, uh, who is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men but from God. And in the Amplified Classic, just at verse 29, I really like the way it said, But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and true circumcision is of the heart, a spiritual. Not a literal matter. His praise is not from men, but from God. I don't, you know, praise from men is nice. We all have flesh. We all like to have our good, have our flesh petted. But, oh, to have the praise of God. Mm. I don't know about you, but... I think that would make me collapse into a puddle right there at his feet and just, you know, cry for a few hundred years. Um, To know that there's anything in us that would cause us to have the praise of God. And it's nothing about our flesh. It's nothing about our human nature. It's all about our spirit. It's all about our desire to love him, to know him, to obey him. Because obedience is better than sacrifice. We can come and work at the church all day long. We can decorate for every holiday. We can clean every toilet. Um, we can do all of that. And those are good things and they need to be done. But that alone is not what God is looking for. He wants our hearts. He wants us to want nothing more than to love him and to honor him and to serve him and to be his very own children. And I kind of saw myself on the way over here doing this, so I'd like to. And if you're willing, I would like you to pray with me and repeat after me. If you're willing to really re-consecrate your desire to know him and to love him and to serve him and to give him everything he asks for. Amen? Okay. If you'll just repeat. Repeat. That would be great. Okay? Father God, we love you so much. The more we know about you, the more in awe we are of you. We know from your word that what you are looking for in us is a heart that is right toward you. A heart that is willing to obey you. No matter what you ask. No matter what you ask us to do. No matter what you ask us to say. Or to whom you ask us to say it. Father, we are willing. Father, I am willing. To be your obedient child. To serve you with my life. I surrender my will today. Knowing that I may have to surrender my will again tomorrow. And the next day and the next. As you show me your love and long-suffering. And you never, ever give up on me. Father, the thing we look forward to most is standing in your presence and hearing you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your rest. Until then, Father, All of my love, all of my energy, anything you ask of me is yours. And we thank you, Father, for every opportunity. Now let's just praise him for a minute. Father, we praise you and we worship you. We thank you, Father, that you are willing to use even us. Father, we thank you so much. You are so good to us. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Holy Father, we worship you. You, Father, are good above all. We worship you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We don't think, I don't think we need to be Nervous about and I think we're all mature enough to realize that at least those of us in the room But when I was younger, there was always that Well, if I tell him I'll do anything. He's gonna ask me to go to Africa I don't I don't believe he's gonna ask us to do something that he hasn't already put in our hearts to do And if he does want us to go to Africa He's gonna put it in our hearts to want to go there because he wants us to go there all I'm saying is We don't have to be fearful of surrendering to him because he is a good, good father God who loves his children more than any of us earthly parents ever even thought we could love our children. And he wants the best for us. And anything he asks us to do or anything he asks us to surrender or any any change in direction he asks us to make or or whatever, it's for our own good. Because he wants to bring us to the place where he wants us to be completely one with him, right with him, and serving him and being, oh, being a reflection of God in the earth. Can you think of anything more glorious? I can't. And I know it was short, but that's what I have for you for tonight. Praise God. We are dismissed. Hallelujah.